In growing more spiritual, an evolution must lead to this. It is the immutable law. Humanity will see through everything, making clairvoyance normal. The X and the N rays foreshadow this condition when dense matter will be, so to say, non-existence, because man will perceive the withinness of all things. When clairvoyance is universal, every man will stand unveiled in character before his fellows, for every thought, passion, and emotion is registered in his aura in unmistakable color, and the seen eye even now knows the man for what he is. This will then be no need for courts and judge and jury. Guilt will proclaim itself and stand confessed before those it is wronged. Science is anticipating this era when truth shall stand unveiled, and incidentally preparing the minds of men to receive the truth graciously, instead of doubting the testimony of their own eyes. Hello, cyberspace wanderer, internet drifter, you seeker of knowledge and information that will set your spirit free, that will purify your soul of the ignorance of yesterdays. You found it, you found it, friend. You're in the new realm. You're in the conscious expanse of this particular secretive and esoteric audio stream that will provide you wisdom from the ancients and of uh, modern science that we're learning about now within our earthen realm, reality, and the blissful eternity. For this is our Mystica Podcast. In this episode of our Mystica Podcast, we're going to dive deep into a topic that is kind of really hard to talk about in culture, in, you know, day-to-day living, because people don't, they don't care, they don't care about it, but I'm titling this The Human Potential. For, you know, once we get the Neuralink, you want to get that, yeah, it's going to provide you with a little bit of, um... I guess artificial superpower, and that's okay. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, from what I can see, as of yet, except for if it streams music to your head and there's some sort of software bug in the system, I guess you're gonna be listening to some noise music from time to time. And so, periodically, you'll get a horrifying taste of something that sounds like this. And that might not exactly be your cup of tea, but I suppose because of the principle of correspondence, what you put out is what you receive, then if you put out a lack of concentration by implanting yourself with a device that does everything for you, then you perhaps receive that in return. I don't know. That laugh didn't, was not necessary. It's not a funny thing, Jaren. You can't laugh at that. <laughs> But that's why we're going to put a lemon twist into this whole ideation of technology being our savior, kind of creating a religion outside ourselves in a type of Judeo-Christian sensibility, though placing it as a physical object that we can touch and taste and sense and have our desires sublimated into the eternal robot god. And hey, I'm not going to diss your religion. But that's why you're listening to this, so you can get a 720-degree perspective, well, more like a 719-degree perspective. I don't claim to know that many layers of knowledge, but certainly I have so much to give you that has objectively worked in my life from a subjective perspective of which we all share in the we collective consciousness of humanity, the shattering of identities I had to go through 
to integrate this pine needle to my brain that was coalescing into a new spirit of expansive knowledge, which I hand to you as a type of holy hand grenade so that you can explode it upon other friendly beings and we can just get along already. So yeah, in the universe you can do anything, you can do whatever you want, doesn't matter what your views are about technology or spirituality or whatever kind of philosophy you're into because you can explore it and it's all good and you take what works and you leave what doesn't. So now, how about this interesting perspective of the everything? Uh, first described, I believe, by mystics of ancient times. And more concretely, I say in the Hermetic philosophy, like the Hermetica or Corpus Hermeticum, the Hermes Trismegistus Kabbalion, these alchemist mystics that have discovered a immutable objective fact about our subjective reality, and that is that all is mine, which they lay out as the first principle of mentalism which states that the universe is akin to a mental projection a holographic projection where all things are a mental reflection of your life and everyone is involved in the interconnected web that shapes our reality or as they say in Hindu lore Tat Vamasi I am that uh, or thou art that that you you were so consciousness is everything is basically what they're saying in any spiritual philosophy that talks about God or the universe or source they're saying it's consciousness it comes from the paradox of existence and non-existence duality and non-duality of control and surrender we're flowing through these particulars and to grasp that the initial thought of that being possible being real and then seeing it as real seeing it evidence of it which comes later is the initial spiritual awakening it's the what opens you to the possibility that you're greater than you originally believed you were and also just magically it seems you open your heart more and you have more compassion as a result of seeing that you're interconnected into this uh indra's net into this web of flowing energy where you your purpose is so much more meaningful when you realize that you're connected to everything and even more meaningful when we get into the idea of uh, mentalism where your thoughts are connected to everything so your self-empowerment what you believe of yourself is what you believe of humanity and in the same stroke of the brush the what you believe about others is what you believe of yourself so in order to integrate this objective subjective paradigm we're talking about here we have to realize that all is self all is 
mentalism. All is our thought process. And so if we believe that we're disempowered or not capable, or someone else is disempowered and not capable and too stupid to figure it out, then uh, we manifest that reality and we get kind of stuck in the sticky, spiky, painful tar pit of our negativity. Which, of course, is not supposed to be a tar pit. It's supposed to exist. You can't get rid of it. You can only move it. You have to know what to do with it. You gotta know how to allow it. How to just sit in that tar pit and just wait for the spring rain to cleanse you free of that kind of mental anguish and agony. Thus, all the mystics speak of mind control. Very different methods and paths to mind control through devotional prayer, mantras, uh, meditation of different kinds of void meditation, visualization exercises, whatever works for you. You do that. Just do that. Find a way to control yourself so that you can better everyone and everything around you forever in existence and even further beyond those planes of earthen realms. Who knows what kind of Dimensional entities are observing us and influenced by our actions here. Verily, we are all capable of great feats. Verily, we are all here for a reason, even if it's just to kind of be a peaceful person, not really say too much, or, you know, just like a few words or some sort of craft you're doing, or just kind of being... There is a very significant purpose for you, a very niche role that only you can manifest and perform, basically. So that's kind of cool to think about. So think about that when you think about this principle of mentalism, where we can harness the power of our minds to create the life we want, individually and thusly collectively. It, uh, it's, all, it's all there. It's all there. So, in this way, all science involves mentalism, consciousness. To be aware of something involves the presence of that thing and the presence of your mind, which can join to form reality. So, if you're talking about mathematics, you say it's an uh, objective fact, 1 plus 1 equals 2. You can see that one tree and another tree is 2. That's objective. It's out there in the world. External. Doesn't exist. Um with a mind it exists without a mind it doesn't need a mind for two to exist one may uh, give that perspective and certainly anyone can see that perspective as being real it's perfectly obvious to anyone um, one plus one equals two it exists in the world at the same time though you have to grasp that that's not the only perspective one can see you can see it through a subjective lens where, of course, I'm not going to know 1 plus 1 equals 2 unless I have a mind to perceive 1 plus 1 equals 2. I need to have eyeballs to see a tree. I have to have the, you know, pupils to maintain the light waves so that I can see the colors that are green and brown. The tree. The tree exists only in the mind. So that... You can hold two perspectives at once there. You can see both. But you have to know that both are very real. So if both are real, then the idea of consciousness expands. So you can't just negate consciousness because it is a quite real perspective. 
as you can't negate the idea that there is some sort of uh, principle or some sort of laws of our universe which seem to function for everybody. So uh, there is an exercise you want to consider that reality is shaped by what we believe about the object. Therefore, you know, if you believe consciousness isn't involved in the equation, then you're going to get that reality where you're basically a victim of everybody else's reality. You're going to just assume that you have no conscious control at all, as consciousness is some sort of fluke of the universe, which is still a prevalent belief these days. It's so weird that that is still catching on, just as other beliefs are catching on, I guess, still kind of automated through the cycles of our linguistic programming through the ages i guess people are still into religion as well it, uh, just it keeps going through uh the the lineages of people they just they were brought up that way they go into the churches or the research labs that are schools and they just think one way and it's complete and utter limitation <laughs> i was about to say a negative word there some people would be like oh that's stupid no that's not no no i'm not calling you stupid why why would i call myself stupid see you see you get yeah okay so it's it's limitation though that that is that's real i mean you if you're only reading the bible or if you're only reading richard Dawkins' evolutionary biology you're getting only that much aspect of reality that's all you're getting and that's all you're going to be able to perceive as real now it's very possible you could only be reading those books and realize this is i'm just exploring one reality tunnel in which case that's great too i'm not judging you and then that means you you get it you get it you're just you just know you're exploring one reality tunnel out of the infinite and that that's all anyone asks that's all anyone asks of you is, can you open your mind to the uh, other realities? The other reality, which contains the other realities. So, of course, that's the paradox. There's two trees out there in the world, which I can only perceive through my mind. Therefore, there are two trees in my mind. However, they're also in the external world. It exists at the same time. This is called reality. So there is also many exercises you can do to understand the relationship between the internal and the external. You can get a friend in a newspaper and have your friend be at a distance and then hold up the newspaper and see if you can make out the words of the headline. And you'll notice that the friend can come a little closer and you can start reading the words as though they're more real. And if, for example, they're blurry, you can have your friend tell you what the words are and sure enough you'll start to read those words because once you know what they are it just becomes a lot clearer and there's also cases where basically in hypnotism you can actually suggest a false reality so to speak and make it real by suggesting something that isn't on the newspaper and you can start to actually read those words if they look similar enough 
instead of what is actually there. This is perfectly obvious. And you can see how our mental constructions shape the way we do things. And then another idea basically is asking the question, where is color? Where is color? Is color out there in the uh, flower? Or is it in your mind? Is it one or the other? Where is color located exactly? If, is it in your brain? It can't possibly be in your brain, right? Because then what's the flower doing out there? But it's not out there in the flower because then how can you perceive the flower? That's another way of uh, getting about this kind of thing that we're talking about. And of course, you can just kind of like read a bunch of Zen books and completely bamboozle your sentiments until it kind of clicks. So this begins our human potential. The mind is capable so much. The body is capable of so much. So much more than what we usually perceive on a day-to-day basis. Now, I understand that we are met with traumas in life. We're met with all these people telling us, oh, you can't do that. You know, you can't, can't. No, you're not good, you're not capable. Or we kind of absorb it ourselves through, I don't know, basic trial and error. We do a bunch of things and we say, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at that. Because uh, we, we believe ourselves to be less than what we truly are, which is just a playful entity that is exploring reality. Who cares if you don't get it right away? You'll eventually get it, your consciousness, you're capable. If, if, if so long as you have a consciousness, certainly you probably have um, certain grooves in your mind that allow you to access some information more readily than other information, but by no means does it mean you're limited forever into those grooves. You can break free or expand, whatever you want. That's this whole idea. This is what the whole episode of this podcast is about. Why... You know, do we really have to rely on uh, so many external factors in our life? Or can we somehow find a way to uh, have some sort of magical, not even magical, but just an expansive awareness of knowledge and intuition? So uh, that's why I wrote down here the easiest way to understand that we are capable of more is likely through the gaining of knowledge. We can see how we develop skills in anything through the right knowledge up to the point of creating beautiful works of art and mechanics and whatever else lies in between those because we can see it. We, you know, go to school, we learn and we realize, oh, we can do much more than we have in the past. You learn programming. Now you can program a video game or a app on uh, your iPhone that sells for billions and now you have billions and now you're spending money to create other things well having other people create other things and they're using their knowledge to create the wonderful houses I went to New Mexico Earthship Academy and they were building these like clay dirt houses out of this environmentally friendly materials and it was beautiful and awesome and they kind of allowed their creativity and knowledge of architecture 
to find heating for the house without any heater. You know, they just used the sun. So they, they had that as a skill. They expanded their consciousness. They learned. They learned how to build. They learned how to use their body to build. So on and so forth. It's easy to understand. We get it. It's a superpower, intelligence, and whatever. Um, social intelligence is kind of a superpower. You can kind of read people, their personality, know what to say. You can be intelligent and athletics with the body can do amazing, amazing feats with, you know, the piano. You can play two pianos at once or something. I've seen people play the piano with their feet and all kinds of the same thing with paintings and, you know, you know high jumps and uh, what is it called? The where you run around on buildings. What's that called again? Free, free running something like that it's amazing the human is amazing and of course not everyone's gonna go into those peaks and pinnacles of experience but certainly you have a balance of uh, intelligence of your consciousness into a certain direction and you know what that is you know what that is I don't have to tell you what that is if you don't know what that is you will know barely after Listen to this podcast, maybe you'll get a dream or something that'll remind you. Oh yeah, you know your you, you know your super uniqueness. You know what that is, and I'm here to remind you. So uh yeah, and it can be many things, of course. You know that. So the mind can expand though. Uh oh oh, oh um and the body is you know, I was talking about athletics, but remember the body is capable of building muscles, of repairing itself from wounds and diseases, withstanding this extreme pressure, sometimes more than you thought you could handle. If you ever go into like a sauna or something, ah, oh, sauna, at first you go into a sauna and you say, wow, this is too hot. That's what you say. That's what your mind says. That's what your consciousness goes on about. Too hot. This is too hot. I don't, I can't withstand this heat. And so you only go in there for about um, five minutes and then you walk in and you're sweating and you're like, I'm never doing this again. I can't handle it. So these are all beliefs in your mind. You're using mentalism and you don't even realize it. You think it's an objective fact. You think, oh, it's in the external reality that it is too hot. It is just a immutable fact like you're in some sort of volcano, which would be, of course, too. That would be a case where you could probably say that's too hot for me in this life at least uh, but we'll get into that and so you quit and you say I'm not good enough I can't do it because your mind bamboozles you to believe such however if your mind says wow that was too hot for me at the moment this is a, life is a continual flux you don't really know what you're capable of doing forever you can only know what you're capable of doing in the moment. That's the whole gist, the whole crux. So you could say, well, let me, you know, you come back to it. You'd be like, hey, let me try that again and see how much I can do more this time. Now that I've had more life experiences and I realized, you know, you ate a bad fruit or something and get bad bacteria and you're diseased and you were able to handle it more than the last time you had the 
this kind of food poisoning, you're like, wow, it was a little lesson this time because I was able to withstand it. Of course, <laughs> there's degrees to that as well. So you go back in the sauna and you do it for 10 minutes. You realize you can do it for 10 minutes now. What the heck? My body is capable of so much more than I believed. And, uh, or you, you, you didn't know, you, you, you just forced, not forced, but you just adopted the belief that I am capable of more. And so you go in and you do 15 minutes and you keep doing that and you do it as long as you like, you do it for hours and you just feel no need to do it for hours. Cause why would you ever need to do it for hours in our society? What? It's very unlikely you'll ever need to withstand extreme heat for hours, but sometimes, I don't know, it's, the climate is uh, a little slightly heating up here. Uh, some people have certainly had heat strokes and stuff, so it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea to explore extreme pressures upon the body. And people talk about muscles and stuff like that as well. I certainly gone to my limit and I always believe I've gone to my limit only because I have this brachial plexus injury and it makes me think well I gotta work on that first right but then there's always the circumstances of life if you're in a situation for example you don't you're not there you don't can't work on your body at the moment because you need to concern yourself I don't know family or money for me it's money you concern myself with building a business of sorts. So, yeah. So, hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And also, uh, any other circumstances, some sort of, some sort of, uh, you know, the, the thing happens in your life that bars you from doing, expanding your limits, expanding your horizons. You will see that um, you can always come back to it at a later point in your life. You'd be like, I need to put that, you know, I need to focus on something different right now. That's perfectly fine. Or you can say, I'll just do five minutes, just five minutes of uh, push-ups, just five minutes of a uh, hot shower or something like that. Very small. You only need to do that much. You can explore this kind of whole life experience, lifestyle through any medium you want. Maybe you need some sort of device for your, you know, they got these like muscle stimulating. I bought a thing that was like, it stimulates your muscles. I mean, that's something more than um, not exercising. Certainly I feel, I just feel like exercise is probably the most straightforward method into building muscle. Um, But there's also techniques where you can, and it's scientifically proven also goes to the idea of mentalism to its uh, most clear point. You can imagine yourself exercising. And what it does is it actually triggers, I guess, the nervous system into believing you're exercising because you're imagining you're exercising. And so you actually gain a little bit of that stimulation in your body because of your imagination. So your imagination is the same idea as mentalism. And that's why they say if you imagine... Whatever your desire is, so long as you're imagining you going there, going to that place of which you want to be, maybe it's world peace. Maybe you want to, so you imagine world peace. So what it does is kind of like programs your mind into acting in a way where you are more compassionate to people, which 
has a subtle energetic effect that alleviates the trauma of humanity, which makes it easier for people to get along. Therefore, peace does manifest. It's real. You can see the logic in that. I Step by step, you can see, wow, that's true. Therefore, it's a very good idea to not abuse your imagination, too. Think only thoughts that are constructive or positive about yourself and others so that we can create this thing. So we can do it. We can do it. You might uh, get lazy. Stop your concentration. Stop your focus of meditation. And think it's alright to do that. Because, uh, you know, whatever. It's all whatever. And that is true. That's true. It is alright to do that. You're not in some sort of obligation to help anyone or even yourself. And there's that's basically the default mode of humanity, though. That, that's what most people... Um, are within, except most of the time they're in it through a negative perspective. Dear God, they are, they feel guilty that they're doing that. So they, they're still doing it, yet they feel guilty doing it. You might as well just remove the guilt and just do as you please. And some will say, oh, that's arrogant. And, and it certainly can get to that point, but you'll see it. You don't have to be arrogant in it. Doesn't have to be an experience for you. So that was a bit of a tangent there. That was more of like, well, how do you utilize your mind? So you'd already have to believe the idea that your mind can expand beyond reason. And so let's get into more of those points. For example, these are basically, I'm going to list a bunch of people that are savants, so to speak. So people see this as real they see oh some people but what they do is they say oh this is only some people some people can do this but not everybody not everybody has this capability um so it's sort of like a jesus scenario they kind of like put it outside them even though the entire time jesus was like yeah you can do this and you know just i am that i you know go to the towards the i am which is what you have but then people always put out the experience outside themselves and say, no, only these. Not true. It's only a matter of slightly shifting your perspective into uh, this, this, this experience. You'll see. We'll get into it. So there's a person called, I oh, love talking about this person, Daniel Tammet, who experiences numbers experience so this person is a kind of a extremely intelligent person in a certain direction where he has an intuitive relationship with numbers where for example one is like a shining light two is is like a flowing violet color three is green and and five is like a clap of thunder and 37 is lumpy and and so this allows him to basically calculate astonishing mathematical equations perfectly with accuracy through just a materialization in his mind's eye. Says, he explains, when I multiply numbers together, I see two shapes. The image starts to change and evolve and a third shape emerges. That's the answer. It's mental imagery. So this is 
way different from how we usually think of how we're supposed to do math. We think math as has to be a, a problem. We think of it as a problem. We think of it as something, as an obstacle. Like we have to remove the obstacle through effort, pain, and suffering in order to get to the solution. What this spare dude is explaining is like, no, you can just see it. You just kind of like <laughs> effortlessly see it form in your mind. Like I'm creating it like I would a wizard creates math like it's so cool and also he learned Icelandic in seven days so he has this ability to kind of perceive things in a much more God, I don't know how to explain it in a fluid more fluid way and let's go on there's um a person named Jason Paget who sees the world overlaid through mathematical formulas though he's never studied the geometry. So he sees these like advanced mathematical equations. Of course, he acquired this particular skill through some sort of uh, car accident, or no, he was mugged. And then his brain shifted into this format automatically. I certainly know that we can have this same experience. It's just a matter of like, who you are and like do you need the experience right now because right now it's 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 more grounded for most of us we can't have all this intuitive mathematics right now of course not um it's just th though 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 we have to seed the idea and this is where we still seed it because it will play a important part in whatever your endeavor is just knowing this stuff it's going to allow your learning ability to Oh my god, expand. So there's other people. Um, oh, there's people who have perfect memory known as eidetic memory. It's also known as photographic memory. It's where you have a really good memory where you can remember anything that happened in your life experience. Or anything you read or heard about from some other source. You will remember it. And that is amazing that the human mind can do that, right? <laughs> Just to know that that exists and is possible for one human means it's got to be possible for anyone. And I know I read a lot of books on how to improve your memory that have all these interesting techniques that are very similar to what Daniel Tammet was talking about, how he could calculate math in his mind's eye you have to connect shapes and geometry and colors and sensations together in a more unique way so it's just another idea of expanding consciousness there's kim peak who i think the movie the rain man i haven't seen it but apparently it's about this person who can read books two pages at once in three seconds my god uh, other people can learn music simply by ear. There's many people that can do that. And uh, it's, it's kind of a technique of sensitivity to music. There's Alonzo Clemens who can create perfect clay renditions of anything with just his hands. Even in the dark. So that's a sort of like tactile skill that one can adapt to. There's people, um, for example, Ben Underwood who's blind. It has a sort of daredevil vision. However, he has to utilize echoes of sound, like clicking of his tongue, in order to perceive where he's going. So he actually perceives in his eyes, you know, light 
so to speak. I believe this is how he interprets it. He sees something in his mind's eye where he knows exactly where he's going. Uh, it's interesting. It's an expanse of consciousness. It's a, a way of perceiving reality. And so, getting even deeper into the more unbelievable where, you know, people are less likely to take it seriously. However, it is growing traction. It's becoming more apparent. Such as Iceman Wim Hof. <laughs> of course, if you're into this podcast, you've probably heard of this dude. Goes into icy cold water and can survive and go to any icy mountain or cold condition and just be okay through his particular technique, his particular breathing, um, which is nothing more than a science. It's just knowing how to function in such an environment. What what do you need to do in order to feel like you're not cold? It's a mentalism as well. And in, in fact, it's mostly mentalism. And this is where at the point I can talk about the Navy SEALs, where they say uh, they go through Hell Week, call it Hell Week, where I just learned people died in Hell Week. I don't know if I put this in a podcast yet. I probably did. But anyway, it scared the crap. Wait, people actually die in Hell Week? Yes, people have died during Naval SEAL training because it's so freaking intense. And what they always say is it's 90, not, it's 90% mental and like 10% body. And I think what they mean from 10% body is like so long as you don't have any disabilities. I certainly wouldn't be able to survive Hell Week. I have a disability. But um, so long as you have the mental attitude that you can do it, that you are a Navy SEAL, so to speak, then you can pass. It's easy. It's all within the mental constructs of your mind. Taking that further, who knows that Navy SEALs could do what Ray Maurer has done, who talks about fasting and the idea of breatharianism. I know I've probably talked about this person before on my podcast, so really quickly, he had a bet for $100,000 that he couldn't go eight days without food or water. And then he went on national uh, television and did this whole thing where they examined him and made sure he didn't eat any food or drink any water, and he passed. He did it. He did the thing that no one believed was possible. Many doctors were skeptical, and they were like, how is this even a possibility you would be dead after three days? For sure, but no. Apparently the body is capable of so much more. And though we have no evidence for it, he does claim he's been a year without food. So he's done the breatharianism thing. Actually, there's many people that have claimed they've gone years without food, doing the type of sun gazing, grounding on the earth, and breathing really heavily in some kind of Qigong rituals in order to perform this particular feat that no one believes is possible, but it is human potential. It's very interesting. So uh, the doctors recognized him. They said, wow, I can't believe it. You did it. So he has a training program. I believe he's trained several people to do the same kind of fasting ritual. Same with Iceman Wim Hof. He was able to train people to breathe in a certain way where they were immune to poison, which is something that was widely known in India. And of course, people in the West thought it was charlatans or something. But no, you can 
you can most certainly find a way to do anything in reality. And that's what this whole thing is about. Shaolin monks. Uh, they have many trainings and different uh, abilities where they have this thing called iron skin where they've trained their bodies such intense training where they can like have a spear pierce their throat or the jackhammer uh, on their chest or their stomach and be perfectly fine because of the amount of chi they can focus in that area is what they say as well as a technique where they can raise their body heat and they had um, heat sensors looking at these Tibetan monks and sure enough yeah their body heat would go way off the charts to scientifically prove that we're capable of anything anything these are the kinds of things we have to look at in our life to see oh we're not so small we are very powerful god beings of sorts now these are all the things i felt were more believable than what i'm about to talk about which is getting into more of the psychic realm which has definitely been scientifically studied and you can look at so many different um evidential examples of these things being manifested in our life but uh, I don't have any examples on me because there's so many, you know, Rupert Sheldrake, or you can look at Jeffrey Mishlove, who's compiled, or David Wilcock, who's compiled all these many different scientific examples. I'm not going to get into it right now. But I will just say, they're quite real. I've had my own experiences with this so many times. In meditation, I have visions. I can't, what, what am I going to do? Like, how are we going to be able to scientifically... Uh, prove visions if I can I'm the only one that can see it and when I when I say I am the only one that can see it I mean the I am that we all share I am the only one that can see it so you can't share it to anyone however that might not be always true but we'll uh, leave that to the side for now so there's all these great people I suppose in antiquity or presently recent times such as Maharaji is a good example you know Ram Das who is a person that basically knew uh, clairvoyance is what they call it it's a type of telepathy a type of knowing something about anyone or anything he would uh, the best example was when Ram Das uh, met Maharaji Maharaji sat him down and said, you were thinking about your mother last night. Uh, and you were thinking about her injury or something. It's a very specific thing. And Ramdas broke down in tears because he realized this couldn't be possible. Not even the most strange CIA uh, operations could uh, do this kind of feat. It was... Something of a miracle, something of a superhuman ability. What is it? I don't, why, why only Maharaji? Not only Maharaji, of course. Patmasambhava, the known as second Buddha, was said to put out a fire by transforming it into a lake. That was this great, you know, miracle thing that many people talk about. But apparently he could fly and shapeshift 
And what people point to the most is that often he would press his feet against stones and the feet would leave an imprint in the stones. And apparently that's what people pilgrimage to this very day. There's all kinds of stones that have these like impressions in them. And people say that was Papa Sambhava. Now, that's just one story. That's just two stories. Now, there's St. Germain, um, who uh, was said to be a man who never dies and knows everything. From Voltaire, nonetheless, that rationalist. Um, because apparently he just knew many things. He knew all kinds of arts and um, musical talents and knew all in any topic he would converse about involved himself in politics could uh, ostensibly transmute base metals into gold as uh, which i thought was just a metaphor for the soul but maybe it's actually real as well i don't know but that's many people just said he had wealth and no one knew what he was like he didn't do anything he wasn't like a businessman or anything he just had wealth so the saint germain they talk about this person um he talked about only eating a bowl of oatmeal and a some sort of elixir every day and that's all he persists upon and uh, ostensibly lived for 300 years interesting note um that people talked about that as real in history there's many accounts of people saying oh yeah yeah i guess there's just this phenomenal person who could do all these things. Uh, so, life extension, certainly. The idea of an immortal being. Uh, we can get into many different uh, accounts of people that lived for more than 300 years. You know, the Bible talks about a lot of people like that. What does that mean? What is life extension? Well, what is the real, the true uh, extent to our life? Some people say it's truly supposed to be a thousand years, but we kind of adopted all these negative programmings and now it's a hundred. So, uh, of course, you know, Jesus Christ. Do I need to say more? All those stories. <laughs> Just so you know, he was historically known as Yahshua Ben Yosef. So some people say Jesus Christ never existed. Yeah, of course not, but... Look into this Yahshua Ben's Yosef character, because he fits the description. Then there's, um, you know, talking uh, Christianity, how the, all these uh, saints. There was Saint Joseph of Cupertino that apparently levitated. Who would just be, he was a person that had no real um, mental acuity at all, but he, levitation. Apparently he would just sit or stand in the streets, gaping mouth, in awe. People thought he was just dumb, but he wasn't. He was just in the bliss of eternity. The universal wonderment of awesomeness and uh, ecstasy. And so, you know, people thought he was weird, but he wasn't. And then they've caught, and he would be in that ecstatic state and he would begin to fly, he would begin to levitate. It's apparently what has to take place in order for that kind of thing to happen. Then there's Saint Blan. Blan? I guess it's Saint Blan. Who could create fire with his fingertips. Apparently he was said to be able to do that. How did he learn that? I have no clue how anyone learns any of these things. If you ever find out, let me know. 
maybe there are certainly um, that raising body heat thing, the G2 mode, that was a specific technique you do with rubbing your body and doing different breathing exercises. So uh, same thing with Wim Hof and Ray Moore has certain specific techniques to get you there. So I s assume there's certain techniques they went to the East and they learn. Such as uh, also John, more recently, person by the name of John Chang, the Taoist, or known as the Dynamo Man, was able to do the same thing, create fire through his fingertips, basically. And uh, this goes to a point now uh, where, well, first we talk about Maha Avatar Babaji to connect these two points. Because you say, oh, well, why do you need any of this? All we need really is compassion. But compassion is so deep, yo. Compassion is clairvoyance. It, it, it is understanding when people need it and when people don't need your compassion. When they need to be left alone. It's a wisdom. It's a higher knowledge. And, um, have, well, you know, then what's the use of flying or shape-shifting? Well, that is the same, you know. It's, it's a compassion in there as well. It's, it's saying that you're capable of anything without any external entity giving it to you. you. You can do any blissful feat. You don't have to believe you're less than doing so. So Maha Avatar Babaji apparently, you know, you name it. He was capable of doing it. All the feats, teleportation, anything, he was there. But also, he had a high level of compassion, so apparently that's the real endeavor, is enlightenment, of course. It's meditation, it's um, finding your bliss, following your passion, and then these things just kind of fall into place. They will arrive when you need them. Whatever expanded intuition, you can learn about it. You'll learn about it, and you will find the technique. So, just for your enjoyment and your pleasure, we're going to list off a number of psychic quote-unquote abilities that you might have an infinity for. Something you might learn about yourself by learning about these abilities. There is, I'll just name um, several on here. There is so many. Aerokinesis, which is like telekinesis or psychokinesis. Which is ability to manipulate air molecules with your mind. Some people... Into, they shape clouds and stuff and it's sort of like a shifting of realities uh, I won't get into it but aromancy interpreting the shape of clouds there's many mancies that are like a form of divination or interpretation such as electromancy which is divination with the sound of bird calls or seeds very interesting to look up or alluromancy which is answers through baked dough baked bread are you a master chef? Can you do divination through bread? <laughs> After death communication, of course, mediumship. Um, different states of mind. Some people can get into alpha or theta or gamma and express a different type of personality, so to speak. Let's see, um, there's animal communication. Sometimes you can kind of just perceive a communication with an animal or talk to him on a whole different level. I know a story of Ramana Maharashi, animals used to just 
go up to him all the time because of the aura of that particular individual was such. I knew some person, I don't know, I guess it's just one story, like the ducks came up to her, just her. It was interesting. Uh, there's many, that's happened to me before because I was meditating. But, you know, that's, I can't really say too much on that because that, that can easily be skepticismed away as coincidence, of course. Um, there is, uh, let's see, you know, astral projection or lucid dreaming is a type of experience you can have. There is uh, aura reading, you can see auras, or you can just sense someone's aura, something like that. Um, uh, it's, it's so uh, bibliomancy, you, you like read a random passage from a book and interpret it, or maybe you're really good at books and you can interpret books in a certain way. Uh, you can interpret leaves, it's called botomancy, or uh, there's so many mancy's chakra channeling, of course channel different entities get messages from that whole experience palm reading clairaudience where you hear things that are inaudible voices or you might just hear guides or angels here into your future this i that that's the thing i've had i am having lots of experience with and it's uh, interesting because i i'm i'm not attuned to it it's like a skill you can learn how to be clear in your interpretation and what just like any of these abilities it helps the waking world your physical reality a lot because it it helps me listen to other people better i realize oh yeah i need to i mean i haven't been doing it much recently, but I need to do it more, is where I just sit and listen to what someone's saying instead of the chatter in my head and to, like really feel where they're coming from. Of course, clairvoyance we talked about, just the ability to see clearly the spirit realm or something or a normal uh, connected to the waking realm. Claircognizant is a clear recognition, it's like a clear knowing that uh, you don't know where you get it. You, 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 you just, you're tapping into the hologram. Claire empathy, of course, is like feeling emotions really well. Then there's clear gnosis, which uh, is a lot like clear cognizant, I guess. Clear sentience, you pick up sensations and relate messages through those sensations. That's interesting. And I know a lot of people talk about the collective um, t telepathic experiences while on mushrooms or something like that but what if you could send geometry to someone what if that's a possibility and there's uh, remote viewing classes and stuff like that where it, 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 it can happen it, it can happen of course if, if you close your eyes now and I tell you to imagine a triangle you can get some sort of idea, but I wonder if there's a way I can clarify that triangle. Really send you the triangle like in a magnetic glory so it's more objective. Hmm. We don't really, you know, we don't fool around with that very much because it's not marketable right now. It has no market value because you have to teach people it. You would have to have schools beginning at youth and have a society built around that. In order for it to be useful, I think. 
What else? Uh, you know, crystals, divination through that, like pendulums, uh, all kinds of knowledges, direct dream, dream interpretation, class. I already said that. ESP, extra sensory percent. Some people are just super sensitive to things. Really sensitive. You might be sensitive in a number of ways. Smells. It's uh, it's somewhere on here, like Claire Augustine's or something. You can smell like a story of a nurse was just kind of smelled an orange and knew to give her patient vitamin C as a result. That kind of thing. Um, feng shui, you know, just having a, a relationship between the environment and the individual, any kind of basic for ghost encounter, ghost seeing that whole realm or different entities. Some people say they see fairies or Sasquatch, elementals, they, they read mainly P. Hall's um, interpretation of elementals. It's super interesting, super awesome. Hydromancy when you're playing with the water, of course the I Ching and, the in, and they put intuition as a site, you know, intuition. It's the gut feeling. It's what um, it's kind of like Claire knowing or Claire gnosis, where that's just you have no sensation. Where intuition is more of a a combination of logic and of your gut instinct so it's like more of a solar plexus kind of uh, decision making then insight chi of course we talked about these are all things um they put meditation on here and metaphysics psychomancy looking into a mirror and like getting messages from that uh you know playing with the nature spirits uh, necromancy why not people do that in haiti uh, Oracle, Ouija boards, you know, playing games. Some people are, you know, you don't have to take this into the psychic degree. Some people are just really good at games. Video games, any kind of game, they do well in games. They're finding out that games really help teach people things. So being some sort of, I don't know, game designer or, or something like that. Past life regression, some people remember their past lives and utilize that in certain ways and can teach people how to do that or can do it for them. All these things people can do for others as a specific skill set. Uh, yeah, tarot, of course, and pyromancy. And uh, Reiki, Sanskrit. <laughs> It's automatic writing, you can be a good writer, so much so that you tap into that secret dimension of writing. The yeah, that, this there's there's so many more that they are they're very similar. Teacup telepathy, uh, transfiguration, shape shifting, no, and xenoglossy, which I actually do at bed. I don't know why I do this but I'm doing it now or I'm just speaking some weird language. I don't know what it is, but I speak it before bed. And uh, that's the gist of it. There's many different ways to attune yourself in reality. That, that was more uh, kind of divination, interpretation of reality, maybe manipulating objects in some sort of psychic 
psychosomatic realm. But, um, of course, then we go into the idea of knowledge as well. It, reality expansive, that's what I'm saying. It goes in, you have many sense organs utilizing all of them all at once and being aware of that in itself is a type of ability. And it's super interesting to explore all these abilities, finding which one you're good at and practicing it more. Teaching, talking to others about it. Conversation is an ability. What, in what way do you get these subjects to people that do not listen to them? That's the sort of an ability in and of itself. And it can be through writing, paint, art, architecture. And like I said, some sort of engineering. Many people are doing that. Is, this place is cool. So I don't want to get down on the Neuralink. Because I don't know what that's going to be like. I'm just saying... There's more to the reality than the instruments we're using. Uh, we are the instrument, if we want to be, if we, if we want to go in that direction. So, some people speak of these specific abilities, is that you don't really flaunt them, you're not supposed to flaunt them. Um, however, you know, to prove to skeptics that they're real so you can like win a prize or you know utilize them for some materialistic purpose if that's the case then you probably don't have them you, you wouldn't have access to them because uh, when you grow in this mental consciousness you grow in compassionate awareness it's the same thing as the hologram I was talking about beginning of the podcast you realize that it's all you and realizing that it's all you, you have compassion for that which is you, and you realize how empowered you are to do anything you can in this sort of uh, virtual reality of virtual realities that is not virtual at all. It's, it's real. You can do it. And so they, you know, they always say like, you know, be be wary because of course. There's stories of people having these powers and kind of still being corrupted by them, which is interesting. Uh, I remember one story uh, in Yogananda's book where he talks about someone having these special abilities and he used it to steal from people, basically, uh, something like that, he bamboozled people. And then the master came to him and he was like, yeah, you're not supposed to, like, I gave you these powers, so then you can use it for good. That's why I gave you the powers. But you're clearly using it for evil. So I'm taking it away from you. And he just took it away from him. So from, from that point of view, it seems like these abilities don't have a particular scientific method. It's almost as if you could just... Uh, you just have to either have it or don't have it. Kind of like uh, a knowing. You know, how like you don't have to believe or think about anything when you know it. It's just there in your consciousness as a, the automation. So it's like um, any technique. I guess they say, you know, you use a boat to get to the other side of the river. But then once you're on the other side of the river, you can discard the boat, which was the method that got you there. You don't need the method anymore. 
once you're there, it's kind of uh, annoying. So, so I guess since the person was able to take away his powers or whatever, he didn't really know. Didn't really have it anyway. Just had a kind of like placebo effect happening or something. Maybe that that's what it was. So, this means that from a scientific perspective, it may be exceptionally difficult to find people who have achieved these rarefied states and are willing to demonstrate them because paradoxically, they have reached those states precisely because they have not demonstrated them in public. Uh, when this person asked yogis who appear to have reached some level of mastery to participate in laboratory tasks, only on very rare occasions have anyone agreed to do so. They usually performed remarkably well, but when I asked how they did it or to do it again, they just smiled. So, it remains a mystery, this, this whole thing. Very interesting to just keep this in mind. Whatever, we're gonna have the Neuralink. I don't care. I'm, you know, I feel, I hope, I trust that I can get my life together in such a way where I would have the extended amount of time to just work on meditation and myself to such a degree where I wouldn't need to rely on Google. How many times have I looked at Google? I'm getting too lazy. I'm just uh, not using my intuition as much. And that's all I want to get across. Is there a way we can use our intuition a little bit more? I don't know, exercise that part of our brain where we trust the universe instead of distrusting it. I have to find some multi-billion dollar corporation to kind of tell us what is real and what's not real. And then won't that lead us astray into some whatever, you know, paradigm one or few individuals want instead of all individuals i ask these questions to you friend discuss them send me a tweet or something so then then we can explore this together because so far i've only found one person that desired to explore this to any degree but we were both lost though like we didn't really have any real knowledge to get there but we we only had a sort of like a realization that of course yes we can't really you know it's not best idea to, oh like find a book about levitation start doing that because it's so out of reach it's like um, building a Dyson sphere around the Sun we're not ready for that yet you can certainly try you can think about it and you can kind of like formulate ideas and see what might possibly work in the future but are you going to levitate anytime soon? No, not unless some sort of miracle happens or some sort of dream allows you to do so or astral experience or whatever psychedelic phenomena you're on. You're not probably going to be able to experience that and you probably don't need to experience it anyway. But morally, what morally, whatever, what morally needs to be experienced is whatever this kind of telepathy, this empathy, this heightened intuition this heightened awareness where you know where, where you're comfortable with everything physical reality is just being comfortable in your own skin and being able to flow with the energies that's what we were talking about he was talking about reiki and he got into reiki and uh same idea as meditation where you're sensing or qigong where you're sensing the energy of your body and you realize ah i need to be in this state more look how pleasant i feel and then you will notice when you're not pleasant when you say a word 
uh, in, you know, precisely or doubtfully, you'll notice your state of being falls into a kind of a grungy, spiky mode. And you're like, ah, oh, this is not a good anxiety, is another way of putting it. Type of anxiety. Say, so this doesn't feel good. And of course not. This anxiety causes fear and it allows you to easily fall into hate and into anger. And then you talk about world peace or some kind of equanimity across the earthen plane. No way, human. Not gonna happen. Because you had no mind control, and that's what the great work is. I see it that way anyway. I see the great work in our lives as a microcosm of the individual, connecting to the macrocosm of all life, planet Earth, and beyond. So anyway, I noticed that my habits were getting like kind of lazy. I guess I wasn't really doing as much intermittent fasting and I was kind of indulging in a constant pleasure and a kind of the lackadaisical effort towards meditation and everything and focused too much on my life situation. And I realized, yeah, there's more, there's more. We gotta realize that, that my life situation I can't assume it will manifest, though I can have that ideation in my mind so that it allows me for a better time here as a technique. But I, I, I see more, more potential in me. And it, it when, when I say that, it sounds like, oh, that's all that sounds like suffering. That sounds like you want to, to, to burn the iron to a, a melting point. No, 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 no. It'd be quite simple, quite easy, and quite effortless. It's only a slight shift in consciousness. That's all. It's that slight shift. One of the books, Life and Teachings of Masters of Far East. It's very interesting. Because these masters would help people through astral projection, live in some hermitage. Sounds so cool. Sound is so cool teaching people telepathy and expanded abilities and of course meditation and compassion and of course all those things and it just I just know I gotta I gotta take a trip again someday in the future when I'm well off hopefully hopefully it won't be when I'm not well off that I'm, as of like a last resort thing. But maybe 10, 20 years in the future, if we don't have any kind of, uh, you know, whatever, cool, extraterrestrial, extra-dimensional, open contact thing, go over there and see what's up. Because there's certainly, they, I know Jesus must have traveled to the east. I know all the masters must have been around the Himalayan mountains. This is a most sacred of places. Harsh. And it's harsh. Why is it so harsh? To act as a kind of barrier to keep the the skeptics out, <laughs> basically. Not that it's not that skeptics don't have their own magic and have their own use for. Definitely, there's so many scams that aren't related to psychic phenomena that skepticism would be a good thing. I would say like they're probably using too much energy on psychic phenomena 
But, uh, what, what can I, I'm not going to do a thing. I'm just putting out a podcast. Trust that the audio stream spreads to whomever it needs to spread to. Maybe think one day, maybe I'll travel there. Maybe I'll be able to travel there. See what's up. Sounds good. But anyway, for now, I'm just um, doing doing the same thing I do. Whatever I do, uh, put out a podcast, um, attempting to get some more guests. Of course, didn't have guests this week. So it always means a solo podcast. When you don't have guests, you get a solo podcast going. And I, I guess they seem, for the most part, they're just about as popular as the guest podcast. So I guess I could keep doing that. However, I feel like guests really... Uh, really put a limit twist into I, I seem to have a mode of thought and I can't really find new unique words to explain myself so uh, yeah I'll continue continue the endeavor Aramistica thank you for joining me thank god you're listening please uh, share if you can if you can share if, you know I know that's hard to do it takes such effort but it would be a magnanimous glory to us all if you could share my podcast or Better yet, just come on my podcast. Reach me at uh, jaronfun at gmail.com or uh, join my Discord. My website's jaronfun.com. Play my video games, read my books, and anything you want to do. Come on this podcast and talk about anything. It doesn't have to be spirituality. It can just be a specific aspect of reality. Specific life aspect that you know, understand, or going through. So that you can find a way to express the inexpressible, and uh, yeah, 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 keep 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 that uh, keep that fire burning. Uh, and that's all I can say. Kind of kindle it. No, nothing too. Ex- don't worry. It's not going to be an eschaton anytime soon. Things are just going to get a little, just slightly more interesting over the span of years, and uh, we'll have a calm, peaceful, more peaceful and blissful existence as a result. Of your consistent endeavor, of our consistent endeavor in this spiritual making.